sacrifices as we think on this Memorial Day weekend of the blessing of liberty that we have that's been secured at such a great cost and has been preserved at an ongoing cost. Because we live in a sinful and broken world, unfortunately it's necessary to have people in uniform standing ready to defend, ready to fight, and ready to sacrifice, which points us ultimately to the sacrifice of our Savior, the Lord Jesus. And so, a reminder to us that the doctor has good news. His doctors have been on task even here today. We're thankful for Luke, the physician, moved by the Holy Spirit to record gospel truth for us. As we come to chapter 7 of his gospel narrative, where we'll pick up reading with verse 18. Luke, chapter 7, beginning with verse 18. Hear the word of God. The disciples of John reported all these things to him. And John, calling two of his disciples to him, sent them to the Lord, saying, Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? And when the men had come to him, they said, John the Baptist has sent us to you, saying, Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? In that hour he healed many people of diseases and plagues and evil spirits, and on many who were blind he bestowed sight. And he answered them, Go and tell John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up, the poor have good news preached to them, and blessed is the one who is not offended by me. When John's messengers had gone, Jesus began to speak to the crowds concerning John. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? What then did you go out to see? A man dressed in soft clothing? Behold, those who are dressed in splendid clothing and live in luxury are in king's courts. What then did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. For this is he of whom it is written. Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way before you. I tell you, among those born of women, none is greater than John. Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. When all the people heard this, and the tax collectors too, they declared God just, having been baptized with the baptism of John. But the Pharisees and Lawyers rejected the purpose of God for themselves, not having been baptized by him. To what then shall I compare the people of this generation, and what are they like? They are like children sitting in the marketplace and calling to one another. We played the flute for you, and you did not dance. We sang a dirge, and you did not weep. For John the Baptist has come eating no bread and drinking no wine, and you say he has a demon. The son of man has come eating and drinking, and you say, look at him, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Yet wisdom is justified by all her children. And as I learned from Harry Reader to say years ago, the grass withers and the flowers thereof fade away. But the word of the Lord stands forever, and this is the word which by the gospel is preached to you. Amen. 
doubts and fears arise. It doesn't matter your level of maturity, whether you have been a Christian for one day or for decades. All of us who are honest with ourselves and with others will admit freely. Sure, there are doubts. Sure, questions arise. We would like to think that we've reached the point in our lives where our faith is rock solid and we never have any questions and we never have any doubts. But be careful about somebody who says they're like that because they probably will lie about other things too. It is a part of life because we are a fallen creature. Because having sinned against the Lord, even though we're objects of God's saving and sanctifying grace, it is a fact that throughout the ages, mature saints have expressed doubts. Many libraries are filled with bound volumes of letters that have been written by pastors and theologians and others to people who are have been quite along in their trust in the Lord Jesus and yet needed encouragement. We see no less than John the Baptist, a man who was faithful to his calling, who had been faithful to the Lord to proclaim the word of the Lord because of his faithfulness, was imprisoned by Herod Antipas. Imprisoned in a very dark and dank place and yet able to have visitors from this place of prison. He wanted to know because for reasons that are largely unknown to us, but some of which we could discern, he wondered, is Jesus really the one? Now remember, John's the one who said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. It was John who had said, I must decrease in order that he might increase. It was John who said that he would come to baptize with fire. John had made wonderful, truthful, glorious statements concerning the Lord Christ, and yet now in his imprisonment, now that he was being held by the civil authorities, he wondered, is this really the Messiah? Is this really the one who has come to liberate us? After all, here I am in this prison. And so he had his messengers go. And there are some commentators who would have us understand that John really did this for the sake of the messengers, that they were the ones who were having doubts. And yet Jesus said to them when he gave them his response, you go and tell John. So the Lord Jesus understood that it was John who was expressing question and doubt. And so we see that even the most devoted believers with mature faith may struggle with doubt. Are you the one? There's no more important question in all the world than who is Jesus and what have you done with him? Are you ready to confess and acknowledge that, in fact, he is the one? Or shall we look for another? Now you might ask yourself, what other shall we look for? Who else can do what the Lord Jesus has done? After all, Jesus gave the evidence of what he was undertaking at that very hour. He is the one who, after all, had brought healing, had even raised the dead to life at this point. And all these things were being reported to John. But even as the question was being asked, the evidence was there readily at hand. As he healed many people of diseases and plagues and evil spirits and even bestowed sight on the blind. Who else can do that? There are all sorts of people in the world who impress us with their knowledge, their ability to articulate. They might have charisma. They can stand up in front of an audience and hold you spellbound. As they used to say, it might be a stem winder from way back. But you've got to listen to what they're saying. Does it accord with God's word? Does it harmonize with what God has revealed? Are they speaking truth? 
Or are they just able to hold your attention? Now, there are more important marks than that. Is Jesus the one? Or people with all their charismatic abilities, all the ways that they have of holding us enthralled, who really is able to perform what Jesus did on this earth? So we need reminding. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 6 and 7. Paul said, For this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Why would... Paul write that to his understudy Timothy. Timothy, after all, was a leader in the church. Surely he was mature to the place that he didn't need to be encouraged in that way. And yet Paul writes this presumably because Timothy needed to be encouraged. And if he needed that, surely we do also. So fanning into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of hands. We are gathered in this worship service today because we need to be reminded. We need to be encouraged. We are in the Word because even though we believe and our eternal salvation is secure, yet God has established this ordinary means of grace so that we might, having received His saving grace, might grow in grace as we continue to read the Scriptures and worship together. Jude, verses 20 through 22. If you're wondering what chapter it is, you need to remember there's only one. But you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith. Do you see that? That is written as an imperative. Building yourselves up in your most holy faith. So you see, coming to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus is not the end of the matter. It's just the beginning. Having come to know him and trusted in him, there's the need to grow. Be built up. Praying in the Holy Spirit on this Pentecost Sunday. Pentecost, why? Because... We know that Jesus, after his resurrection, appeared to the disciples off and on over a period of 40 days. At the end of that 40 days, he ascended. His earthly ministry, as it had been known at that point, came to a conclusion. He was enthroned in heaven and seated at the right hand of the Father. And 10 days later, do the math, that makes 50. That means we're 50 days out from Resurrection Sunday. On that 50th day, the Holy Spirit came in power upon those believers who were gathered in Jerusalem, demonstrating the work of God through His Son, the Lord Jesus. And the gospel began to go out to all the nations. And so, of course, we pray in the Holy Spirit. How else could we if it's truly prayer? But keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. Eternal life that we already have, but that we will yet experience. And have mercy on those who doubt. It's a presumption that there is doubt within the body of Christ. Not doubt unto unbelief, but nevertheless doubt. So, John the Baptist and all of us who experience doubt from time to time are in good company. There's plenty of others on this journey with us. And so... The servants went, they talked to the Lord Jesus. The Lord Jesus said, just look at what I'm doing. Go back and report what you see. The truth of the gospel is clearly evident to believers. And yet we need reminding. Now, spiritual things are only discerned by those who have the spirit. We see that in 1 Corinthians 2.14. The natural person does not accept the things of the spirit of God for they are folly to him. And he's not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. 
How is it that there are so many brilliant people in the world today? People with graduate degrees and postgraduate degrees. Pastor John made a joke yesterday talking about, you know, earning the degrees. You know, he's got a, an MBA. He said he's dying by degrees. <laughs> All of those attainments, those academic achievements are laudable. But we don't believe based on our intelligence. It's not because we attain a level of, of intellectual Achievement that we believe in the things of the Lord Christ is because the Holy Spirit has given us life. He has enlightened us in the understanding of Christ. He has convicted us of our sins. He has opened our eyes that we may see Jesus, that we might trust in him. We don't get there through our own effort or our own intellectual attainment. We get there because the Holy Spirit brings us to faith. He answered them, go and tell John what you have seen and heard. That's what we do. We continue to tell people what we have seen and heard, what we've experienced ourselves. As he mentions the blind receiving sight, the the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, the poor have good news preached to them. Oh, by the way, the dead are raised up. I read that and I think, wow. So this served to comfort John. And at this point, let me say this, too. I think it's helpful for us to remember when we doubt, when we come to question things, who do we go to? Notice that John didn't send his messengers to the experts in the law. He didn't send them to Herod. He didn't send them to political leaders. They didn't have media the way that we have now. But in our own context, when we have doubts, It shouldn't be that we go to the Internet and start Googling. Go to the source. Go to the one who is the way and the truth and the life. He sent his messengers to Jesus. We go to the word of God. That's the place where we'll have our confidence restored. That's the place where we'll have our doubts assuaged. You're not going to find that watching a PBS documentary. Or some other skeptical work. And by the way, he says, um, blessed is the one who is not offended by me. The one who is not repelled by me. The word there is scandalise from scandalon. And it refers to the bait stick in a snare or trap. That crooked stick that springs the trap. That's what it refers to. I grew up in my youth. I built rabbit boxes, so I know what a I know what kind of a bait stick he's talking about here. That snare, that temptation to sin, that enticement, or otherwise the object of revulsion. Blessed is the one who is not offended or repelled by the Lord Jesus. John was not. Jesus is here gently responding to him. He could have rebuked him sharply, but he didn't. And so when we think of the way in which we are drawn to Jesus, rather than being repelled by him, blessed are you. Because so easily in our natural condition, apart from the work of the blessed Holy Spirit who has come upon the church in power, apart from the Holy Spirit, we would be repelled by Christ. We would want nothing to do with him. As I heard a man in a bookstore 
in town one day, not here, but another, talking to a group of men who were obviously gathered there to have an intellectual conversation. I heard him say, now, whoever this dude Jesus was, we know he's not what all these church people say. What was happening there? There's somebody repelled. There's somebody, because he's still blind, and at that point, I pray that he's since had his eyes opened and knows Jesus. But who knows? In that blind condition, in that depraved condition, he was repelled by the very one that we're drawn to. So blessed are you who believe. Because the truth of the gospel is readily apparent to us. Because the Holy Spirit has enlightened us. But we need reminding. Plenty of evidence of that. Second Peter 3.1. This is now the second letter, says Peter, that I am writing to you, beloved. In both of them, I am stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder. You know, seldom do you come to church and hear something that's absolutely brand new. Now, it happens. But most of what happens in the context of our worship service is that we're being reminded of things that we know. That happens when we sing. It happens when the preacher preaches. Now, hopefully there are things that you learn and you say, ah. But, but what is the most often voiced expression that we have in a worship service? Even in a Presbyterian church every once in a while. Amen. I've heard that. I know that's true. And I agree with it. And we might say, well, what's the point in coming if we're just being reminded of things that we basically already know? Because we need to be reminded. It is a wonderful exercise in which we find ourselves. On Memorial Day, do we not have a day like this to remember? Now, those of us who are conscious and aware are aware every day that the freedom that we have should never be taken for granted. We're aware every day that there are acres and acres of real estate in this world taken up by the earthly remains of people who have laid down their lives for us. We shouldn't need one day a year to remember that. But we have one. And we're grateful for it. Because we need reminding. In my own family, my grandfather's first cousin, Gray Winchester, left home when the National Guard was federalized in 1940, and uh, he was trained to uh, fly in a B-17. He became a navigator as he learned all of that art out in Texas, was deployed to Europe, found himself flying on a B-17 out of England, and in November of 1943, flew a mission across the North Sea. They released their bombs. They were returning and made it back out over the water when German fighters bore down on them. And all ten crewmen, including my grandfather's cousin, were lost in the sea and never seen again. His parents got word from a telegram that was delivered by a taxi driver who simply pulled to the bottom of their driveway and blew the horn. And when my Aunt Wilsey read the paper, she collapsed. And Uncle Lawrence had to carry her into her home. And 50 years later, I can remember sitting in the living room with her as she talked about her son and the tears welled up and rolled down her cheeks. Don't you ever forget. We don't know all of their names. We cannot. But we know that great sacrifice has been made for our sakes. And there have been times that I've wondered why I've had this bug of family history in my heart. You know, it started when I was about 10 years old and I never really understood that. 
Well, I was so interested in wanting to hear the stories until one day, a few years ago, I was in a nursing home in Haywood County talking to a lady well into her 90s. And she began to tell me about a boyfriend she had had in the late 30s after she had graduated high school and how they had lost touch with each other and he had gone off to the war and then she met someone else and they fell in love and married. And she said, I'm so grateful for my husband, but she said, I've always wondered what happened to my boyfriend. I said, well, Mildred, what was his name? She said, well, you know, it's funny you'd ask. He might even be a relative of yours. His name was Gray, Gray Winchester. I said, Mildred, he left this world in November 1943 when his bomber went down in the North Sea. And I told her all that I knew that my research had told me. And I remember the tears rolling down her cheeks. And she said, thank you. I always wondered. Thank you for telling me. And I thought if for no other reason, after all those years of digging and listening and researching, I was able to share that little bit of information for a dear lady who had had questions all of those years. Now, she's with the Lord now, and there are no more such questions. But we all need to be reminded. We need to be told things that are worth knowing. And in this passage As we look at it and as you go through it, I hope you discern from it also as I have at least this final point. That it is faithfulness to God's message, not popular acclaim, that is the true mark of God's messenger. Who did you come out to see? The scriptures have said, behold, I send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way before you. John was the greatest of all the prophets. The Lord Jesus makes an astounding statement. I tell you, among those born of women, none is greater than John. Yet, the one who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. But who did you come out to see? A reed shaken by the wind? Did you come out to see somebody who's dressed in soft clothing? John wore camel's hair, leather band around him. He ate stuff like locusts. And by the way, that's not talking about some plant that grew in the Middle East. I've heard it interpreted that way. It's... It's talking about that grasshopper-looking bug of a thing. You say, well, at least he had a good source of protein. This was a man who lived rough. He didn't have the trappings of someone who looked important in the eyes of the people. But it's not the outward appearance that matters. It's the message that he bore. The fact that he was called by God to deliver it. And John proclaimed God's word. But in the meantime, how does the world respond? Like little children sitting in the marketplace when people aren't around, they want to play act. They want to act like the people that they've seen there. And so they they act like they're playing a flute and doing a dance and singing a dirge so that other people will weep. They had seen people do these things and those children were mimicking what they saw. And we live in a world that's mimicking. They have an idea of things that are important, but they're just echoing and sounding out and making all kinds of noise, even as they dance. But this servant of the Lord didn't come eating bread and drinking. And how did people respond to him? Oh, he has a demon. Just listen to him. Then on the other hand, Jesus came and he did eat and drink. What did they say about him? Surely that would have remedied it all. Oh, yeah, he's not like John. He's eating and drinking. He's okay. No, no. No, when he came doing the very things they criticized John for not doing, they criticized him as well. A glutton and a drunkard, a 
friend of tax collectors and sinners. Well, let me tell you something. Their criticism of him is music in my ears. To know that he is a friend of sinners. Because Jesus didn't come to save the righteous. He came to save sinners. And I count myself among the chief of those. So you see, wisdom is justified by all our children. Wisdom will be borne out in the way that people react and respond to the truth. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. Be careful of those who look the part, who meet our expectations of what a messenger ought to look like. A wolf in sheep's clothing. John says, do not judge by appearances, but judge with right judgment. Be discerning. On June the 5th, you're going to be learning about fraud and how people will text and call and email you to try to extract money from your bank account in a fraudulent manner. Beware of people who will seek to draw you into a false way of thinking. Maybe they're sincere and yet sincerely wrong. Blind. They'll drag you into the darkness with them. Be discerning. If what they are saying is not in harmony with the word of God, run. Don't walk. Get away. Just as surely as you would delete a text that you know is fraudulent. Report and delete. You know, by the way, you just don't get the same satisfaction hitting that little red button on your phone that you used to get when you could slam the receiver down on the... This poor generation doesn't even know that satisfaction that we had of just hanging up on those people. You know, just hitting that button hard doesn't do it for me. Get away from those people who are seeking to deceive you. Mark's gospel has the Lord Jesus saying, For false Christs and false prophets will arise and perform signs and wonders. They're going to look like somebody from God. Even performing seemingly miracles. In order, why? To lead astray, if possible, even the elect. That's how serious this matter is. So when doubts arise, go to the source. Don't just start listening to the first thing that comes along. Don't just start reading what shows up in response to your search on a search engine, be it Google or otherwise. Don't just listen to the person who sounds like he or she has it going on. Does it reflect what's in this book? Go to the source. And we seek to have our doubts assuaged. And being grateful for the instruments that God has used. Whether it's John the Baptist. Whether it's a Harry Reader or a Tim Keller. Or those still with us, like a Pastor John Anderson or a whole host of others, faithful servants who proclaim real truth, even though the world may not take notice, even if the world doesn't find them to be particularly newsworthy or photogenic. I've told you before, I've got a face made for radio, so I'm sorry for those people who are watching on camera today. I don't have that hairstyle that goes along with being a 
But it's not about that. It's about the substance of the message. It's not about the fluff and the frills. But thanks be to God, we have a real gospel. We have a real Savior. And God's admonition to you is is to grow in the knowledge of Christ as he is revealed in Scripture. To seek him out. To seek the truth that's revealed concerning him in Scripture. Look at what he did while on this earth. Look at what he continues to do through the Holy Spirit. His lives are transformed as people are saved. I met a man last week in Chai Yi in the south of Taiwan as I was talking to him and his broken English and he was expressing to me, he was telling me about how for years up in the mountains there above where they had gotten washed out by a huge typhoon 13 years ago, how that he had basically, having heard the gospel from childhood, just chose not to believe it. He found it to be, you know, too constraining. He didn't want to give up living what he thought was a good life. Until that day, he said, when he couldn't get away from it anymore, convicted in his sin, he fled to the Lord Jesus and trusted in him, and he said, my life has never been the same. He said, I cannot ever get enough of the Lord Jesus. That's the work of the Holy Spirit that is ongoing. And so I ask you, can you ever get enough? Don't you find, those of you who know him, the more that you study and learn and seek him in prayer, the more that you desire to know and to learn and to seek him in prayer because he is faithful. And so today we remember. We remember the work of Christ that's been accomplished for us. We remember the work of the Holy Spirit that is taking place in us so that we're growing in Christ. And of course, we remember as a nation those who have sacrificed so much for our sakes. Because we need reminding, lest we forget. Let's pray. Father in heaven, grant to us, O Lord, to hear this word of yours. That you may make alive to us the things written on the pages of the Bible. And move us, O Lord, to take advantage of revealed truth. To look to Jesus, to study him and all that is written about him from the first of Genesis to the end of Revelation. Oh, gracious Father, grow us in grace that we will be a discerning people that even though from time to time we too may have doubts. Give us grace that we may take our doubts and cares and lay them before you and that at your throne of grace we may experience that renewal of assurance that comes as the Holy Spirit bears testimony with our spirit that we are your children, even as we cry out to you, Abba, Father. Oh, Father, grant that we may have a grace that will persevere to the end. That whatever degree of deception we may experience in our lives, may it never derail us who believe, ultimately. And so, Father, we ask your blessing, even as we continue to pray for Dortha, praying for healing for her and your provision for all the saints. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And so we stand together to sing our final and closing hymn, Eternal Father, Strong to Save. Stand together and let's sing as we worship.
All right, so another change up. I'm going to pronounce the benediction, then I'm going to ask you to be seated. Pastor John's got a word for us. So may the Lord bless you and keep you and cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. And may the Lord lift up unto you his countenance and give you his peace, both now and forevermore. And everyone said together, Amen. Amen. Please be seated for just a moment. Patrick said I, had, I could have an hour. Uh, in, in the observation of a medical layman, as I am, uh, Dorothy seemed to be in pretty stable condition as they drove away with her. They're going up to Gulf Coast Hospital, and uh, she'll be um, seen by probably fewer doctors than actually saw her here. Uh, so we want to thank Rick and Tom Lynch and Greg. We want to thank you all for... Um, Stepping up and, and helping out in that uh, time. Dorothy is a sweet lady. Uh, she lives across the street at Brookdale, and she comes over here. Um, actually, she she comes for Sunday school and for church. And if there's evening church, she's here for that too. She's a she's a doll. We love her, and um, we pray God's richest blessings on her as she uh, is being treated for whatever it is that uh, got her down. So, uh, with that. You stand dismissed. God bless you all.